Online Broadcast Network. After Buzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries. And your number one source for after show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, welcome back into the Penny Dreadful After Show right here on AfterBuzz TV. Season 2 is finally upon us and we are here recapping everything here Penny Dreadful on AfterBuzz. I am your host, Bobby DeMiro, joined by Marissa Serafini, Roxy Stryer, Allison Dean. Ladies, hello. Hello. Hello, Bobby. Allison, welcome. You'll be joining us on and off, I guess. Sarah's not here this week, so maybe we'll have you some more, but you're at least here today. I know. At least you've had me here today. Welcome. Thank Uh, you. Uh, good luck sitting next to Roxy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And well, so it begins. <laughs> <laughs> Team Bobby Marissa's back. Okay, but in all seriousness, I'm I'm very excited about the season. I love sitting across from you guys. See, what I say is just so much nicer than what he says. <laughs> uh, and I'm really, really excited to get into tonight's episode because yes. there was a lot of nuggets in there and I want to hear from you guys. That was beautiful PR speak. I hope we can expect less of that and more real Roxy. Yes. Oh, I've cut one. back on the gin this season. <sighs> oh. Nevertheless, we are talking sure fresh hell tonight, fresh. Uh, and you can talk with us if you are watching. I believe we are live streaming, correct? That we so are. So you can talk, you can comment on the live stream on YouTube. If you are listening to this after the fact, if it's not live, you can still comment on YouTube. We read every one of those. You can also uh, comment on AfterBuzz iTunes on the podcast, yep. rate it, like us, do that stuff, and you can tweet us during or after the show. Uh, okay, guys, let's get into fresh hell, <laughs> which sounds... I love refreshing. going to fresh hell. Let's yeah. dive into fresh if, hell. If you're going to go to hell, make it fresh instead of rancid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's just a whole, just literally the name title is just a whole start for the new seasons. Like, th- there is a new hell coming upon the earth that's it's we have yet hell. to see. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I want to start with uh, Vanessa, our, our main character, I guess. You can probably make a case for a couple of the main characters at different times, but I think Vanessa is the lead. She's our protagonist. Yes, yeah. she's for our sure. girl. So let's start with her. We see everything opens up in season two, walking through the snow and then coming to her knees, you know, collapsing. And we've got devil speak. We'll learn later. It sounds like Latin, but it's not, apparently. Mm -hmm. And we see Madame Kali. Now, Madame Kali was not necessarily an afterthought in season one, but I was surprised to see her so early in season two. Absolutely. I agree with that. You know, when we look back and you rewatch the episode, do you remember her uh, from Seance and you remember everything mm-hmm. she did? But I kind of always thought she was a secondary or a side character that wouldn't really push the plot forward. I had no idea what she was about to become, and I love that. I love that. I, I wasn't thinking about right. it. Right. And also, John Logan, he said even before Penny Dreadful even started in the first season, he went up to Helen McCrory, who plays. Uh, Madam Kali, and he said, yes, for the first season, you're going to have just a few scenes, but you're going to play a bigger role in season two. So this was already planned from John Logan years ago. So you're telling me they know what they're doing. Yes. (laughs) Is is this, not to open up a too broad a question before we jump into specifics, but at least through the first episode of season two, we don't see significant new characters. Everybody has kind of come back and been rehashed. Is that a good thing to not have new blood? Is new blood too gimmicky? Or would you have liked to see a main new character come out of, you know, nowhere in season two? We still could, 
but just in the first episode. I mean, I think I was pretty pretty happy all around with this episode. They gave us a lot of gems in this one, and I would not be surprised if we're going to get a lot of fresh blood. Yeah, but no, the, pun, no yeah. pun intended. But the thing is, there. I mean, we had one, and we'll get into the the girls. But it, how season one ended? There, all of our main characters, all their stories were so open ended. Right. So when coming back to season two, you have to just continue those stories. And I feel if you're going to bring more people in, everyone who watched season one is going to be like, "What happened?" That's what we want to see first. Absolutely, I needed to catch up with all of our characters mm-hmm. that we love, that we know, that we hate, whatever it is, before we could move on. And I do feel like because Madame Kali was not a huge character, it was almost like getting a new character in this <laughs> episode. And with the rest of her serpents or whatever you want to call them, they were all brand new. One of them, I think, is going to play a huge role. Yes. Hecate. I noticed, I don't want to call anybody out on this panel, but I did notice all those nightcomers had very curly hair. Very curly hair. I'm not naming names, but Marissa and Roxy, your hair is not curly. Uh, moving right along. Great valid point. And for once, I'm not getting thrown newcomer. Oh, hell. Interesting, we have a newcomer in our midst. Let's. Uh, I can help you through this hazing process. I know, right? <laughs> Okay. We all gotta get that. <laughs> Let's talk about that now. Now we know that Madame Cully is is a witch. For, mm, yes. you know, to mm-hmm. be blunt, um, and she is now going after Vanessa hard. So we have uh, maybe a face. We knew Vanessa's been pursued by obviously these demons for a while, but we really have a face we can interact with now in a different way. When we had Fenton and things like mm-hmm. that in season one, people like that. Sorry, Fenton. Uh, those were, you know, conduits and, and characters and stuff, but nothing was pure. There wasn't a good and evil. It was just kind of a creepy little sideshow that we were fighting. Even Mina wasn't really Mina. Mina was the demon and stuff yeah. like that. Now we have a face and we have a rivalry in a way between Vanessa and Kali. Vanessa doesn't know it yet. Uh, what do we have to brace with with this Kali rivalry? How much of a threat is she? Because she's oh. already killed a witch in cold blood, literally. I, More than one. There was also one next to her bathtub. That's, that's true. Yeah. We don't know if that was a witch, she, yeah. we don't know if she killed them, but I would yeah. assume. She killed she's people. She's bathing in blood. Oh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the blood bath. Yeah. It's a blood <laughs> bath. Yeah. But I, I think it's also that I've, I think Madame Kali is going to play a humongous mm-hmm. role, and, and especially the foil and, and female antagonist, because Vanessa is such a strong female protagonist. We need a female antagonist to really be equal and to to really play against Vanessa because not to jump too far ahead, but even that end scene, they seem like they're on equal playing fields, that they're equally matched. Right. You know, it's interesting that you say we finally have a face because yes we do, but this still isn't even the biggest baddest. It's not, no. no. They're they're still somebody above Madame. So it's like devil. you know, yeah, and that's the devil. My question more is, how did she get this role, whatever that is? She is the lead witch. She's the head of these women that are call her mother. What does that make her? Well, you're talking to two witch experts on this side of the table. <laughs> we do we do Salem a show or two. No, I, I think it's a, it's a coven, I think, is what it we is know coven, so yeah. far. It's effectively a coven, and she's the lead of this coven, and the one who is beholden to the devil, it would seem like. But she's not who he chose to be his wife or his bride or whatever it is that's Vanessa so is there going to be any sort of jealousy is it probably or or what exactly is her role going to be if she did get Vanessa to come along with her or whatever it is she's trying to do would 
that even be what she wanted. Well, I think Madame Kali's, you know, whole position is just to get Vanessa to get to the devils. Like that, I I have my eyes on her. My only objective is to get her to you, right? And, it, and so I don't think there's any jealousy whatsoever. I don't think there's a that type of romantic relationship with. Madame Kali and the devil. It's just her only goal is just like, I'm going to deliver Vanessa to you. The one thing I really didn't like about that Madame Kali scene and everything she's in, this episode in particular, is the sexual undertones. Oh, yeah. That was a little odd. It With seemed her cheap. daughters? Yes. Yeah, it seemed cheap. The kiss, the near kiss with the other one. I was like, okay, you're, you're, maybe there's a deeper reason to it and we can explore that. But even for me, hey, straight guy, this is awesome. It just seemed like you're drawing in an audience that you don't need to draw in. The audience is so intelligent. The people we who watch this are so damn intelligent. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be fooled by stuff That's like us. that. Yeah, <laughs> I think that one of the main reasons that they did this and they could have accomplished it in a different way was to distinguish of these curly-haired women one of them. She was apart from the rest. She was the only one who got that kiss. She was the one who had to take the other woman away, whatever it is. They have a different relationship. They are mother-daughter. Yeah, that's the relationship. But and I agree with you that I didn't know why we went there. I don't think it's because we're trying to draw on a certain audience because I don't think the show is into that. So I think we're going to build on that. We'll I hope so more. because when I saw that, that's first, I'm like, why? Are, what's the reason? Right, for this? there's you know, got there's to no, be one. Yeah, you don't need this audience. I don't think you even get this audience. You'd have to do a lot of this to get this audience. Right. <laughs> it could be something there. that they're really only doing to kind of set the stage for the the person that she is with these girls and it's like they're going to do it now and then it's really not going to be addressed again. I don't know. I think we're going to dive a lot deeper between all the into the relationships and the the characters. Devilishness between them. Yeah. Uh And and it could also speak to in a very broad way more of a hedonistic portrayal of her that she is Mm -hmm. you know stereotypical as it may be she is you know the devil's employee for lack of a better term she's the devil's underling so this is hedonistic stuff it's not you know there's there's anti-religion there's no you know depth to this and so part of that is the sexual undertone of of pleasure and what feels good and the sexual domination is just more of the hedonistic you know she does what she wants she does what feels good she does the bad thing versus Vanessa trying so hard to do the good and that dichotomy in that final scene of Vanessa trying so hard to like pray and bleeding in the scorpion she's you know drawn out in blood and then Madame Kali in her final scene is is praying essentially is having a conversation with the devil and the two of them you know fighting without even knowing it or at least without Vanessa knowing it. The juxtaposition of those two women I really yeah it blew my mind because one is completely crazy and tormented and almost screaming while not screaming and the other one is begging for help or whoever she's talking to I thought that was so brilliant so well editing so well edited and also just shows that we see Vanessa's side she's so religious and she's praying fervently to her god and then we also see Madame Kali just praying to the devil the complete opposite in the satanic blood cross on her forehead so it's just the complete polar opposites of each other yeah, I agree. I have another thing that I want to talk about with Vanessa and how I feel as if she's withholding information from us 100%. right now. I was just going to ask Oh, you. yeah, yeah, definitely. And when she says, I don't even know if I believe her that she doesn't know what she said or that she doesn't understand what they said. It takes her a little bit to come out and acknowledge that she does know these women and that they are witches. What does she know that we don't know? 
a lot of things, clearly, but what mm-hmm. is it? Do any She obviously has crossed their paths before yes. and they she has history with them. And you know, even from season one, like she she knows how to do the t- tarot card reading. So she's very in tune with supernatural ability and all that, um all those supernatural elements. So yes, she's definitely holding back, but what is it? We don't know. We'll eventually find out. But I think it's something that she it's this scares her on a whole different level than what we saw in season one. And even Ethan points that out. It's like, right. I've never seen her frightened. Which surprised me, actually, because the things that she went up against last season, I was, I don't know, it surprised me. No, I completely agree. She looked like a child in mm-hmm. part of this episode as she holds herself and she sits there and runs into her runs dad's arms. Oh, yeah, yeah it, it was really strange to watch her like this. I don't know if she knows them from her nightmares, if she knows them from when this is actually when she turns into her demon version of herself, that's how she knows these people, and that's really who comes out of her and speaks whatever it is. That must be the information she's withholding from us, how she has a relationship with them. And Mm. she's not the only one who's withholding information. The witch that was killed by Kali... When she was like, but but Vanessa knows the language. And, the, and Kali's like, what did she say? And the girl's like, uh, it, it, it wasn't clear. I didn't hear it. You sure? <laughs> that's yeah, true. It looked like right. you that's heard a it. Weird, that's a weird, not only is it a weird reason to kill somebody, but maybe Kali, they're trying to establish she's very powerful and kind of kooky. Mm-hmm. But it's also a weird decision to make that the reason for that witch's death. As opposed to... Saying something that Kali didn't like, or or with you know withholding it all together, I can't say. She's like, oh, I didn't hear it all. Right. What? what you no, mean? but it was also yeah. like on top of the story that she was giving about the mementos uh, and Mori about the death and whatnot. So like that was just a whole lead up to be like, I'm going to kill you. No, no, I know that. Despite I'm, whatever I'm you did, the, the 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 witch who gets killed is her her last words were, you know, whatever she said was, you know, I didn't hear it all. I, I, I couldn't get it all. But also, yeah. Really? I, I even questioned that because we when they questioned Vanessa, what did you say? Vanessa said, I don't remember. And then also hearing the, the witch saying it, I was like, maybe something, maybe they legit don't remember what happened. It's just like two go people back, talking to Go her. back to the scene itself when the buggy is flipped over and Vanessa and that witch go face to face and that witch says whatever. Mm-hmm. Vanessa responds and there's a, there's a visible reaction in you. the face. Yes. Not and, only and that, that thing backed off fast. Okay, not only that, but who else has a really serious reaction would be Ethan in that moment. Yeah. Sure. And when when he says that they were speaking in Latin, and then she says, no, that we actually weren't, and she corrects him, he very quickly knows exactly what she's talking about. And mm-hmm. his face was appalled and frightened. And I think some it got something inside him, too. And maybe on a surface level, he doesn't know and she doesn't know. But deep inside both of them, we've seen what is there. I think he knows more than he's letting on, too. Or maybe that he's capable of expressing. He more. Yeah, well, right. he was about to, you know, drop the dime on Vanessa and, and cop to something or other when that whole buggy scene went down. When he was telling her why he had to leave and stuff. He was about to maybe say what we wanted him oh. to say. Right. <laughs> so, you know, he was he certainly is withholding in his own right, but when you withhold one thing, who knows how many things you're withholding when you're going to so lie many. about one thing. That's true. If you think about last season, we saw the same thing with Malcolm. He kept sending Vanessa out, and really he thought that they were after Vanessa, even though he didn't say that. So I, at this point, I have a hard time trusting any of these characters because, number one, I don't know what they are willingly withholding, and number two, I don't know what subconscious level they are hiding things even from themselves or that are being hidden within them. So yeah. you really can't trust anybody. I only trust Brona. 
Oh, we don't know if we can trust her. No, not her. anymore. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, you have to be. She's a clean slate yeah, now. That's true. You totally I, trust her I now. I trust Brona. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. You I can mean, trust her as much know. as you can trust Caliban. No, 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 but Caliban is no longer a clean slate. You can trust her as yeah. much as you trusted Petrus when he was... That was his name, right? Petrus? Pet- no. No. Uh, uh, Proteus. 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 Yes. Thank you. Petrus was Salem. You can trust her like you trusted Proteus when Victor was teaching him how to read and stuff. Yes. Because it was like an infant. So at this point, Brona standing there... Is an infant. No, it's the most trustworthy. About, think about Caliban when all he does, the first thing is screaming bloody murder. That's the first thing he does. Because he's in pain, not not to not to kill anybody. So, yeah, I'm not saying to kill anybody, but can you trust? That, how do you know? How do we know he can or can't? But also, I think it's just Victor really improving on his work <laughs> because the, the first two bodies that he re- revived had so completely different reactions, and then Bruno's the, the, the most calm one out of all of them. So the maybe, third time's the charm. Is she? We didn't even well, get she to see sh- enough of that scene to that's know true. if she is calm. The next words that come out of her mouth could be, I'm going to kill both of yeah, you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I think maybe like just the third time. Victor has really perfected his craft and whatnot, and I think Brona would probably be just more advanced than the other two. Mm. So it's 3.0. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's improvement. <laughs> yes. It's That's been, the, the whole project. It's Monster 3.0. You can download the app on your iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think about it, that only happened in a day. One or two days, however long that, because you know this season literally just picked off where they left off, mm-hmm. and Brona just died, and now she just came back, right? So this is already advanced more than so, everybody else. I was asking about that though. So timeline wise, last thing we heard Vanessa talking about was the boys coming to help them for Christmas. Obviously, it's snowing now. Where? Mm-hmm. What month are we in? Around Christmas. Right, I mean, probably prior? after. After? I think after. Probably after. It doesn't snow a lot in London, let's be honest. But it certainly is, you know, January, I would guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But we know it's year 1891. Yeah. So. Okay, we know the year, but the month. Yeah. little uncertain. Winter. Winter season, Winter's at least. Bone. Yes. No, I don't mean whatever. Okay. Which, by the way, whichever one of you, I think it was Marissa. I don't want to give Roxy credit for this. <laughs> I get that. In the middle of last season, one of you, maybe Sarah, predicted that Brona was going to become Caliban's oh. love. No, actually, that, that was Tiana. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay, then I'm going to have to give her... Hashtag... Team Tiana Roxy. Why do you have to make this about you? One mm-hmm. point. Because it's a team thing. But you know what? Hashtag Team Bobby Marissa because we're both here tonight. Okay. Well, Boom. why do you have to make this about she me? She can have many teams. <laughs> Allison, yeah. we're sorry you had to witness that. <laughs> I have learned from the show you can play for many teams. Yeah. A That's lot of them great. Do. That's an amazing Ethan reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Oh, yeah. Oh, Dorian. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. However you want to do it. Yeah. Ooh, and apparently Kali, too, so... It's getting hot in here. Yep. That was a hell of a transition to I the man you, himself. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and this uh, this Mariners Inn massacre. Uh, okay, so we meet Inspector Rusk. Um, I okay. love that name. Uh, as much a new TV, character. As mu- yeah, that is, but obviously a little more minor, at least right now. We think. As right. much TV as we all watch. Um, I love this show because everything about it is a cut above and it should be it's showtime it's very well produced this is what you expect mm-hmm. but it's a cut above the music the set design the the, the, the camera shots Fantastic. that I'm sure are are digital and not real oh but the God. camera shots over the city and stuff are amazing it's such a no, cool thing to look at no they built that city yeah the set and everything <laughs> yeah. the acting I bring all this up 
because Inspector Rusk, at least right now, what we've seen of him, is the worst stereotypical kind of London detective. It's exactly mm-hmm. what you would think. But I think that's their point, because everyone... And, and even the audience is smarter than these two. They're the comedic characters. That's I just, it is. You think Rusk is? I think he knows something because he very quickly walks in there, evaluates the situation, and says, this is different. This is not Jack the Ripper. We had somebody leave this scene. Now, my question would be... Who, first off? Okay, I would think it would be Ethan, and here's why. Because I think that there are two sets of prints... One would be werewolf, and one would be human. Ethan. Yeah, human. Yeah. So he's thinking there was a survivor. I'm thinking he just is not clear on what's going on. However, that could be not true. If it was somebody else that wasn't Ethan that left, was did Ethan spare them? Did they see what happened? Uh, there are so many questions that would open up. It also looked like um, Rusk grabbed something from underneath the, the chair. Like right. There was something he saw. I, I didn't something. see what it was, yeah. And yeah. the whole thing about the wood, uh, he, he was smarter than the other ones. Oh, At least yeah. he evaluated uh, somewhat correctly. Yeah, and I, I think it, that's just, like, the the human, regular human civilians that you have to throw into the madness because it is London. There are going to be those people. But I think it just shows that even Galsworthy, for as little time as we saw him on screen tonight, I don't see him, his character, being strong or as threatening to oppose these people or like I'm going to take these people down because he himself doesn't even know what he's up against so I just don't see his character strong enough yet I mean granted we had a little screen time with him I don't see him strong enough to be someone to worry about last season when we saw Ethan unleash the inner wolf he did it very much so on purpose yes he looks up at the moon but there were two men after him Mm -hmm. they wanted to bring him back to America he methodically puts his uh, you know the knuckles break and does all of that and he kills them tonight when we see him he wakes up and it looks like he's ashamed confused doesn't know what he's done and killed a bunch of innocent seemingly innocent people does he have control over this at some times and other times he doesn't what is this now he's blacking out when we know that at some point he could choose to turn I I'm not sure. Do you remember in that buggy with Vanessa, and I don't remember the exact words verbatim, but it was something along the lines of they were talking before it flipped and all that happened. And she said something. They were t- He was talking about how he had to get out of here, and, you know, we lost the war. And she said, oh, but it's but a battle. And he mm-hmm. says something. And she goes, you mean the demons inside me? Right. And uh-huh. he's like, right. I didn't say that. I took that to mean the demons inside multiple people. Him included. Oh yeah, right. I did too. So and that's and that's I think to answer your question that he wrestles with this the same way that Vanessa has to wrestle with her situation, but in a different realm for him is he knows what it is. He kind of controls it maybe, or he kind of can battle with it. But there are times where it gets so out of control he recognizes I'm a, a public health risk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and, I, I, and I have to leave. This is why I have to go to Russia or wherever else right. it is. And and I think it's also. His because we saw in the end of season one when before he t- took out those men he was drinking he was drunk and and I think that he was already in a weak vulnerable state he wasn't thinking rationally and clearly and that might have led up to the point where he did in a way black out and turn into his the creature just like Vanessa does when she gets possessed and whatnot she goes through sexual activity so like I think they had their own ways to enter the the inner demons that they have. How is he going to play into the witches? Because they are out to get him right now. They think that they, he is protecting her, and they very quickly 
acknowledge him as a wolf. Well, yep. yeah, the Lupus Day was right. his wolf of God. Right. And they know that he is protecting Vanessa. So, like, even Madame Kali is saying that I'm going to have her daughter, Hecate, go after Ethan, take him out, just so Madame Kali can go after Vanessa. But here I'm sitting thinking from last season that he doesn't have God in him, that he has the devil in him, and that maybe he would be on their team, but very clearly... They don't want him. They want him gone, and they do call him Wolf of God. So, is he? Is he good? I think he's good. I think he's good. Okay. So then, what was even that last he, season? As he pins Vanessa against the wall, and the devil the, comes out of him. I don't think that was the devil. Well, he yeah, says he says I'm the devil. That those were they, it was the whole Amanya Amenrat that mm-hmm. whole scene, and he's and she's sitting there, and he, they're talking, and the devil comes out of him. But maybe, okay, so for that, yes, maybe. But I think Ethan himself as a person was already religious from the start. But that wasn't Ethan. That wasn't Ethan. His eyes changed. They got... No, not for that particular scene, but Ethan just as a character, he started off as a religious person because we know he's gone. He has a lot of internal conflicts with religion as well. Yeah, we we do. I just don't, I don't know. I think that this was a weird play and there's got to be a bigger thing here because he isn't purely good. And whatever he did back in America or whatever he continues to do, how can he be the wolf of God? Has he been, for lack of better words, fired as that position? <laughs> Has he been brought down to earth because of that? Or maybe he was appointed by God, but he obviously went against that. Because look at look at the people we know that he's killed now. He killed two Pinkerton guys, right? Mm-hmm. All those guys are doing. Those guys were not evil. All they're doing is trying to bring him home on other things that they think human Ethan did. Right. You know, a murderer or whatever the case may be. They're not evil for doing that. He may have a reason to want to get rid of them to stay free. But it's not like he's vanquishing evil in the name of God. So I, I don't think... I, I would argue he's not good at all. And he may be pulling a ruse on Vanessa, too... But he doesn't have any motivation to harm her. He may be pulling the ruse for some other thing. Or he's caught in too deep now. We also don't see him actually hurt anybody in this episode. We see him wake up and he has blood on his face. We are under the assumption that he has killed all these people. But say that my uh, prediction before was incorrect and say there was somebody else there. They didn't watch him do it. They actually did it themselves. And he was left. His life was spared. Do you remember the end of the first season, that last scene with the camera? Yeah. It, not only does he transform, the camera pans out of the window, and you can see fighting immediately. Right. I think it would be really, really cheap if we found out that, oh, there was another guy. He popped into the room. Yeah. I think it's safe to assume, and it's probably best to assume. Ethan's that he, behind That he yeah. is behind yeah. this. Yeah. I would agree, but then how does that, ter- uh, how does he control this? Maybe he can't. can't. Yeah, I guess. Or not. he can't yet. And it, and who are these people in there that he has killed? And to argue that he would be evil or not good would be going against the fact that we now know he is, or the witches believe him to be the wolf of God. But remember, you, you this isn't you know football. You can have three teams. You know, That's there's, true. there's no there's no rule saying we can't have fifty teams. And and to to preserve the length of the show, I think it you know, helps to have multiple teams. <laughs> Look at Salem. Yeah. It helps to have a lot of different people fighting each other for different reasons rather than just, you know, this dichotomy of good versus evil. And then Ethan and, and Sir Malcolm in his own way, you know, mm-hmm. definitely other people sit in this gray area where some days you're like, hey, this is a good dude. And some days you're like, 
Really, bro? Absolutely, but nobody's looking at Malcolm and calling him the Wolf of God. No, 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 but no. Malcolm in his own right. I'm just saying right. every one of these is on a scale, and I think the scale slides every day. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. black and white. Absolutely. I, I agree know. with that. Um, anything else on Ethan? I want to talk about Caliban because he makes me so happy. Caliban. <laughs> I felt for him tonight. He does. He makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. He looked like, just lost and confused at that oh, one yeah. point. But I, I have to give it to him. Like, he's trying to start a whole new life for him. He is, and it's like, all right. And I agree that effort. I felt bad, but at the same time, the way that he's going about it and his methods, I, he, he's going to get somebody in trouble. I have a question. And this is this is one of those questions Roxy asked where she's like, I'm sorry if this is done. So this is my version of you asking. <laughs> I hope it's not done. Um, I know that Caliban killed Proteus like by physically like ripping through him. Right. But, but Caliban, the way he's presently structured... Can he die of, like, natural causes? Does he have a finite life? Uh, I I think that he can't die of nat- uh, natural causes. I think that when he talks about it before and he says, you humans, he, he was kind of making fun of Victor, you humans who drop off from consumption or whatever it mm-hmm. is, uh, as if he was above. So I'd assume, no. He's okay. just going to stay at that age. Like, he's done. It's like he's just going to live he's, in that. He's never going to age. I, oh, okay. I, I believe so. That's what I believe. But they can certainly be. Now. But they can certainly be killed, as we saw with. Proteus. Oh well, yeah, yeah, we ripped no. apart. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah. and I think that's that's the reason for Caliban. He that he is literally a walking um, paradox okay. because he always preaches about death and whatnot. But and he preaches he's going to live forever, right? Which we yeah. know could not be true. Yeah, but I I think. Like all the other, that I mean, we did see Proteus Day, but I think Caliban could be stopped. Someone could kill him if they really want. Why would to. you want to stop him? The dude. I'm just not saying wants, like the dude just going wants to, to be gainfully employed and fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not saying <laughs> no. they want to, but he's a walking paradox. Yes, he does. Those, that's true. But he wants to fall in love with somebody who also will be around forever. He wasn't willing to fall in love with somebody or didn't think they would fall in love with him back, which is why this new female character is so fascinating Lavinia. to us. Yeah, Lavinia. Which interesting enough. That, that and also with and we'll get into the names John Claire, but Lavinia is a Victorian name, but also because <laughs> Proteus and Caliban, we know they're from Shakespeare's plays. Mm-hmm. Lavinia is from and Titus Andromeda. Hmm. Cool. There, well, there is a character named Lavinia and Titus Andromeda. Interesting. So another Shakespeare name. I like it. Which is hmm. yeah, Lavinia would have been perfect for him because she's blind. <gasps> I think totally. she still might be perfect for him. So you're still saying that be. Caliban is going to cheat on his undead bride? It's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that he's going to cheat on her. I'm I have saying a that I think there. that him and Brona might not necessarily make the best match because either a Brona and Victor are going to have something. I'm with you. Or b Brona and Ethan, or Ethan's not going to let Brona go that easy. So one of those things might happen. I don't think that. Or Dorian. I, yeah. <laughs> right, she already did have with Dorian. I, I don't think that this is going to go the way that we want it to or the way that we would assume it would. And this girl who really sees him for who he is by touching his face, ironically, I feel like she can see him the best. He was only led to Bro- or the idea of Brona because the woman at the theater rejected him. 
So right. really, yeah. it's not that he didn't want an actual human relationship. It's that he thought that that wouldn't be possible. Well, and he, even, sa- he said to Victor, find me a girl. This was a yeah. convenient girl who was dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Even before the the lady at the theater, he from the first episode we saw Calvin, he's like, you're going to make me a, a, a maid that's equal to me. If we look at the actual scene that they met, though, it was a little bit of a meet-cute. <laughs> she has, she is with Ethan, yes, but She's got the um, uh, the whatever nuts or something, or was that with uh, Proteus, or was it with Caliban that she met him? Yeah, that was Proteus. Oh, it was with Proteus. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm. So with she was, she was just destined to be with somebody one day then, yeah. somebody who Someone. wasn't living. But okay, uh, sorry to um, Go I for it. I think with the whole name John Clare, Caliban wants his whole new identity John Clare, which is another interesting thing. Yeah, he's been reading up to. He he John Clare actually is an English poet right. who lived back in uh back eighteen sixty four and he was most known for writing poetry about alienation and unstable uh, unstable self. So and yeah. like he, he declares a lot of laments and whatnot. So he's very depression. I would have asked him to have some kind of an arc. So like even if he thought that he wanted to have someone of his likeness, of someone like Brona, hmm. he could change. He he's a well-read creature. He, he is. He is. He makes this decision about his name very quickly. Uh, yep. But mm-hmm. he, you know, as well-read as he is, there are so many names he could have picked. So, first, I think that's really interesting what you just said because this is somebody he probably idolizes or relates to in a certain way. He's very well educated. We know he reads books and yep. literature, right? And so to. And to pick an author who's pretty much like him, who who just preaches about and laments about and having a, a sad solitude life, yeah, is perfect name to reflect who he is and his his character. Why does he want to maintain a relationship with his master or whatever he or his creator, as he calls him? He says, "We are bound on a wheel of pain, thee and me." I ask you, what is Doctor Frankenstein without his creature? I asked the Frank same question Lane. in a different way to Marissa mm-hmm. when I said when I saw Victor going through all these machinations to create Brona and to do this whole thing in his lab, and I turned to Marissa and I was like, "If he's going to go through this much trouble." Why doesn't Victor just kill Caliban? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, and I don't understand that. I'm 100% with you. It's, it's very interesting. And the other thing that I have to keep reminding myself is the fact that Victor is also in so much pain. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. Caliban's in pain, but Victor is an absolute drug addict. Yep. And yep. he's shooting up his morphine, his heroin, and he's providing, he was uh, sh- shooting uh, coke into. And- um, Malcolm last season, whatever mm-hmm. it is, what what's going on with him? He's kind of a wild card because he is doing all of these things, but he's unwilling to kill him. But also, we did see in season one, Victor is, uh, in some way, really afraid of Caliban because we saw Caliban. He took out Van Helsing. He took out Proteus. It's like he. Caliban has literally murdered two people that he grew fond of and really cared for in, in his personal life right in front of him. So, in a way, I think Victor's just scared of him. We do see him learn to start using guns. He does. He he takes yeah. it up and he wants to become a sharpshooter. And last season, we even see him, when everything goes down at the theater, 
kill, shoot somebody and yeah. kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if you want to call it somebody or something, what? Yeah. And, and not only that, but Victor is so he's he's so smart, even in his drug addiction state, with with the whole get up of the lab, and he has so many intricate pieces moving here that you know what scientist was doing this kind of stuff back then? You know, resurrecting bodies aside, right. everything else he's doing is just really really intense. I'm not asking Victor to go like toe to toe with Caliban and saying let's wrestle to the death because Victor will lose. Right. I mean, like, there's got to be like an ingenious plan he would have to hatch to be like, you know, let me get Caliban from behind, let me kill him with some contraption. The way he did. Yeah. I agree, but clearly something is stopping him. What is it? Just that this is his creation and just fear. I, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's both. For a split second, when Brona was being brought to life and, like, Caliban went flying because, you know, he, like, got a little bit of the electrocution through him or right. something. I, for a minute, for sli- or maybe not a minute, but for a slight second, I was like, oh, are they taking him out this quickly? So then I realized they weren't. But anyway. He dies by creation. Yeah, yeah. Right. Is there almost a biblical thing to this, too, about Victor being the creator for Caliban and the creator, you know, God yeah. oh, does not sure. go back on his creation. There's so much symbolism How there. can Victor go back on his? I created this. I let this live. As good or bad as it is, I cannot then flush it off. Yeah, there's yeah. so many religious motifs in the show. And we even saw in season one between these two, Caliban said, look upon your creation. Look upon what you did. And the image, you know, God creating man out of his his image is the exact same thing with those, yeah. those two. Yes, however, he left him. He did do that. He did turn his back already. You could argue that that, that God left Adam and Eve. Said, "Hey, you're on your own. You're that, out of the. You're out of the garden." That is true. Yeah. What I wonder more, and the way that I said I don't believe anything that these characters say, is when Victor looks at him and says, "I could never love you." I'm not sure that's true. I think that he might love him, and he is afraid of him, but he, because it is his creation. He Even does. in the way that Malcolm said that he didn't love Vanessa and he would throw her under the bus, but he never did. I think that he loves him. It's in a weird, twisted kind of way. It's, it's like uncon- loves Caliban. I think he does. An unconditional love from well, a parent yeah. to a child. I'm not sure because maybe one day we'll see Victor take him out, but I don't think it's happening. I think it's unconditional love. Right. And maybe they actually develop a friendship after this. Maybe not, but maybe season two, season three, season four, the further we go along they can develop some sort of relationship. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I feel like, I, I agree, because I feel like tonight's episode, this was the most civil those two were ever together, ever been to each other. Absolutely. Together. And they're on the same page as they're both screaming now, now, mm-hmm. looking at each other, trying to, ha- they had a common goal. I, I mean, that that's scene start, was crazy. It was incredible. That was intense. That was awesome. I can't believe what an incredible job these actors did because yes. they are. This is pull that lever and pretend you know what you're doing. <laughs> That's what I was telling Bobby. I was like, how the heck does Caliban Caliban know all these gauges go down to ten percent? And I was like, yeah, it's great. It was but you know, you, you have to. You just have to let it all go out. And I turned to Roxanne and I said, awesome. I think that they must be theater actors or something, or they have a background in it because they're just very good with. Things, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they do that whole acting thing pretty well. Yeah, you know? they're, very, they're very good. Very <laughs> they're on a show. Yeah. Great analysis, Roxy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I see it. The whole thing they call acting, they nailed it's it. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to step on anybody's toes with predictions, but I do want to ask the question because when we get to predictions, we always like rush it because we don't have a lot of time. Is Victor falling in love with Brona? Yes. Do you like that I just okay. like well, yes I think so answer without thinking but why no, why I, do you I think so just the way that he was 
talking to her and touching her in the pool in the, in, in the in whatever that was thing. and just kind of the way that he was it was he was being so voyeuristic with her not touching then touching and how he was talking all of it it mm. just it struck me as he he was forming a relationship with her that i don't know if he expected it but one is there his first two creations were unattractive men mm-hmm. okay but we don't know. She Roxy brought up a valid point. Right. We're right. So there's, a, there's a couple different things. Here's here's something we know about him. We know he's a virgin. Yes. Here's something. <laughs> here's something. So that's which that's, is fine. That's a fact. But what was implied to me tonight was as he was touching her, it didn't seem like it was the first time he was touching somebody. No. So that either means he's been he has touched her previously, which there wouldn't have been that much time, or he has touched somebody previously. Yes, there have been three successful creations. How many previous creations that failed? I don't know. So either, A, he has touched other dead women before, or B, had he touched his male creations before? That's where my mind went. Oh, see, I um, I can understand that. I see it as, we know, like you said, Victor is a virgin. They mentioned it a lot in season one. This is the closest he's ever been romantically, physically, with a person of the opposite sex that we're led to believe. So I saw it as more as this is his only chance he can be intimate with someone. Whether it was Brona, whether it was another person, but we see it with Brona. And we know he loves science. Science is his number one love. And the fact that he can merge, literally merge the two together and have them coincide, I think I saw it as just him loving his work, loving his science, and then also getting the chance to be being romantic in a way and being intimate with his his own creation. I absolutely so think that, yeah. I didn't I didn't see it as a love romantic relationship. I just saw it as something he's loving his creation. I I think that he will fall for her. I do. I see that happening. I don't know if he's there yet, but the way he talked besides the touching part, the way he spoke to her, mm-hmm. that he was going to miss her and whatnot, I think she is different for him in some ways. I, and I don't know how that will affect his relationship with Caliban, because if he wants, if they both want her, then there's going to be a big problem. We have a lot of big problems right now, but there will be a bigger problem. But maybe Caliban won't want her. I maybe Caliban's going to want Lavinia. Yeah. Do we yeah. even call him Caliban anymore? Oh, for sure. That's a John, great name. John Clare. But I, I he just look much hope, like a John Claire. <laughs> no, but I just hope Victor doesn't become a necrophiliac. That's the one. But you know what? If he had or if he did, that would almost... It's not perfect. Don't misquote me. But it would be perfect for him because he's so awkward. He's so... Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't been touched as far as we know. Uh, and it's, He's it's, socially inept. It's so taboo that for him it might be the only way. Mm-hmm. And there might be, not beauty in that, but there might be kind of a, a symmetry there. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, but then couldn't we claim that the only way would for him to be with the undead? So while maybe it's still a little weird, Brona being at least a breathing thing would be better for him to be sleeping with than Brona being a I, smothered thing. You're not yeah. going to disagree with me that it'd be better he didn't sleep with dead people. I'm with yeah. you on that. I'm just yeah. saying that it might actually... I could definitely see a scene in the future. But she's about to be awkward. She's yes. about to be strange as well. So. Not necessarily with her. I mean with some. Well, with we, some don't we don't know. know. I, I would assume, because I think that both of his previous creations that have come to life, yes, this is 3.0, so it might be different, but in their own respects are a little awkward. 
I mean, one of them... Like, readjusting to life. Right, of course. I don't blame them for being awkward. Yeah. But they are a little bit. (laughs) Somebody that'd be interesting to grab a drink with, awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Is that really where your mind goes? It really is. (laughs) She needs a gin, Bobby. What do you think think Undead Brona drinks? Oh. Well, they were... What were they drinking in the... For a second she episode, was like she might still be a whiskey. Yeah. She could now be a gin girl, and life is turned upside down. <laughs> for you, she could be well, your gin, best friend. Gin does things to people in a different <laughs> okay. way than oh, whiskey. Let's yeah. get this straight. I am a whiskey girl. We just make the joke about gin here. I need to clarify. It's very Fair important. Fair <laughs> okay, let's go at, uh, back to real life. Back to the the un undead life. Uh, uh, Putneys. Let's talk about this wax yes. museum. <laughs> yes, let's do that. I'm excited. No, I'm excited. Let's do that. Well, Marissa, did you have something to say? I do. I like this family because if you think about it, the whole Frankenstein story, he fell in love by observing this family from afar. He learned how to be educated. He learned how to communicate with the world and whatnot. And he learned language from observing a family in the story. And then I see it, and th- that family in the story was, like, very nice, very sociable people, very kind and gentle in that way. And I see the Putneys as maybe that equivalent family that Caliban could observe and grow to have a family dynamic relationship. In the story, how did that family relationship end? <laughs> it ended badly. Yes, we'll get into predictions. But okay. I see it, they could be that equivalent if we're somewhat going against... Uh, towards the canon of these stories, I see them as that fa- family equivalent that Caliban needs. That would I, I agree to some extent, but it would be an oversight if we didn't talk about what his actual intentions are. Mm-hmm. The, the white, first of all, the way he yells at his wife was very clear that something is not right here. And second of all, what he says about, he says that face will make our fortune. Dum-dum-dum! Right, something's yeah. up. I don't think this is a good guy. I don't think this is a good guy at all. I I took him to be the same as the theater man. What was his name? Yes. No, I From think that that man was great. I took I took Mr. Putney to be similar and I think Caliban this is going to sound weird and I don't know if I have a basis for it, but I think Caliban wants to be seen more so than he wants to be hidden because he's finding out that people very slowly don't find him as gross as he thinks he is. Uh-huh. You know how we all yeah. do things and we think it's a huge deal, and then you ask somebody about it, and they're like, I didn't even notice. What? Because <laughs> yeah. we're all in our own crap. What did I turn to you and say about him? I think he's kind of cute. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Roxy. Well, keep, Roxy it, okay, keep it in your pants. I confirm. <laughs> keep I confirm. It, keep I it in your that. romper. I know. I, maybe it's because I actually know what the actor looks like, but I, <laughs> I don't think he is that hideous. I think he's really unique looking. I think his eyes are gorgeous, and there's there's something about him and there's something about the quality of his voice just everything so I I do know what you mean however I don't know if the show would prove that to be true because the last woman that he tried to be with she you know she had the relationship with her brother Mm -hmm. but but at the end of the day she did get him fired I'm not saying he wants I'm not saying it's going to work out with every person I just mean that I think he's starting to realize that that fewer people than he thought. I think he thought he was going to be a pariah. And now, you know, he walked into Putney's and Mr. Putney was like, oh, hey, what's up? You want the job? He kind of gave a look like, 
oh. you're not going to kick me out. Right. I'm yeah. a freak. You know, and more people are going to do that. And I think slowly his confidence builds. We know he's very confident because he has a motivation around Victor. But that's a window into some of what he can be around other people, maybe without the anger. But I think that confidence builds and whatever the performance is, the coming out party, who knows what he's going to be doing at this wax museum. But I think, I don't know if it's as bad as you assume it to be. Yeah. I, yeah. I also think the moment that he had when Lavinia was um, getting to know him, uh, I think that sort of made him take a pause in the sense of it was the first time someone stepped away from him and smiled and said, how nice to meet you, you know? And so I think it's, it's like, little things like that are going to begin to break him down in a bit and make him feel like, wait a minute, maybe I'm not so bad in this world, you know? And again, and I think that's why I think this family is good for him, despite maybe they do have ulterior motives for Roxy, I don't know. But I think this family could be really helpful in Caliban's life to get him to be more extroverted, to get him out into the environment. But when we say that face will make our fortune... What's the plan? Uh, I think it it's like we when they walked in when Caliban walked into the place he Mr. Putney uh, immediately said we don't get business here the, we hardly make any money and I I just I literally saw it and maybe I t- took it at face value that like his Caliban will help bring the business back. Why? Why that face? I don't think we know yet. But there's yeah. something. There's got to be more. There is more. There's uh, nobody's disagreeing with that. I just don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It was also the way he treated his wife, though. And I know that this is a long time ago, but he snapped at her. He claims to Caliban, she's the keeper of all this, she has to clear you. She absolutely had zero say. In in his defense, though, his Quiet wife woman. was snapping at him in the first mm-hmm. place. She snapped at him and said, what are you thinking? And then he defended himself. Yeah. I got a great feeling off Mr. Putney as him and Caliban implicitly, like, beginning a relationship. Yep. They hit it off immediately. Mm-hmm. We get a very good feeling from Mr. Putney early on. Nothing sketchy. The only halfway sketchy line is the fortune line, but I think depending on how you take it, it not doesn't have to be that sketchy. I think the wife, Olivia, is actually the one to watch for. If we're going to watch for Putney, I don't mm-hmm. trust Olivia. All right. Yeah. Our bets are placed. We'll see what happens. Fine. I'm a Mr. Putney guy. I, I think yeah, I think Caliban will make that business thrive again because right now they're struggling. And Mr. Putney hates the French. Quiet woman. And don't we all hate the <laughs> right. French? Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean to say that out loud. Wah, wah. <clears throat> oh. Yeah, it's just like Caliban could be literally the new face for the business. He's just pissed about Madame Tussauds. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, he is. Just Putney pissed. hates the French. Yeah. And, mm. You know. Mm, goodness. <laughs> Um, okay, anything else on... Oh, oh about that. Go like, for it. Just, like, no, just really, really quickly about um, that place. Um, I, I loved how they had that whole quick shot of Jack the Ripper, and you notice we still didn't see oh. the face. Yep. And the, the whole Annie Chapman. I just wrote that. As yeah. I, I'll say <laughs> like, predictions. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, last was thing. it cool, Bobby? Because it didn't sound like you really thought that what I said was cool. Okay, cool. Moving on. <laughs> Last thing we're going to talk about, uh, just Allison and Marissa and I, <laughs> is, uh, is Gladys and Sir Malcolm. Uh, mm. Sir Malcolm um, had his ass handed to him in that scene in the cemetery mm. by his wife. You know, it was much needed, though. Oh, totally. I'm not saying it wasn't needed, but <laughs> Sir Malcolm, like Sir Malcolm, step on in and have a seat. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. When she says, we have no more children for you to save or, or to kill... kill. Uh, daggers. Mm-hmm. But my question about it is, how does she know? She obviously wasn't there when he killed their daughter. So he must have told her. 
Why did he tell her that? Why did he not say, I found her dead? She was murdered. I don't know if she. Maybe was it was looking. not about the daughter. Maybe it was about Peter. We know that Victor. Uh, sorry, not Victor. That Malcolm really played a big part in Peter's death. That he really didn't do anything. Absolutely, but I I think she implied that she knew that he had killed both I, of them. I again, Roxy, we disagree. I interpreted this as more esoterically from her saying, "We had two kids." You excuse my language. You start a fucking shit up. They both died. I don't yeah. know what happened, mm-hmm. but you're involved here. You can't do it so anymore. So you don't think she knows? She I don't. I, don't, I th- certainly don't think she's in the on details. the specifics. But she's like, dude, when you get involved with these kids, people end up dead. Stop. Yeah, I, that absolutely could be it. I just felt like she was angry with him. She knew something. She knew a lot. And I don't really know how she knew it, why she knows it, or what place she's going to have in this. Why in our season two, episode one episode, did we have ten minutes of her? Maybe less, but... I think because we needed to establish that Malcolm wants out. Mm -hmm. Malcolm wants to get out of London. And he was like, hey, I can just come back here. She shot that down. Doesn't mean he's not going to find another way out of London. Did he just want out of London after what happened to Mina? But now, like, once he's gotten back and he sees everything that's going on with Miss Ives, and suddenly he's like, oh, no, I guess I still have some stuff to do in London. I think maybe it's more of that now. He needs a reason to be in London. I think he's still got a foot in and a foot out. Yeah, okay. I can be be on your... And if you're not 100% in... in something like right. this, you're out. If yeah. you're 80% in, you're out. I agree. So. It's just a, another reason why Malcolm has to stay in London. Their relationship, he says, we once were very much so in love. We know that he was cheating on her for a long time. Infidelity. Does that mean she doesn't know, or does she know? Did, I don't remember if she ended up finding out. She knows. She knows. That she ended up finding so out. So it's not only just Malcolm doing nothing about his kid's Dying is also there was infidelity and being scorned in that way as a woman. Besides, Roxy, don't women always know? (laughs) That's true. Which is why I know everything. (laughs) Scared me for a second. I'm like, um, Roxy, let's 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 sell the London place. We don't need it. Um, (laughs) Very funny. We'll see about Gladys. I. uh, I don't know that she'll ever play a major role. I don't think so. I think that was her only role. Yeah. It might be. But I think it just establishes more Sir Malcolm. He's trying to get out of London. He's not 100%. So that was about him. I think so. Yeah. Okay. And it also shows that Malcolm doesn't have his real family. So his only family and confidants are everyone back in London. Yeah. We got two people that were trying to leave London right in the beginning of the episode and fail on both. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody's going anywhere. No, they're not. No. Nope. Nobody. They're somebody sticking must, around. Must not have told them there's a whole second season. I was just about to this is a TV show. And so likely a third. So they're going to be there for <laughs> a while. Better be yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> Marissa, who are you going to murder if there is not? Lots uh, of people. There's going to be a massacre on my end. Now, I have an idea, guys. <laughs> Why don't we do a little news and gossip? We didn't talk about the scorpion thing, did we? We touched a little bit about it. And the prayer. The Infinity Scorpion. All right. Okay. Infinity. I th- still think it's a lobster. Uh, the but Infinity I think Lobster. Right. It didn't. No, scorpion it, Lobster? It's Scorpion because, you know, the scorpions on her neck, all that. The, mm-hmm. the sign of the scorpion. And I know Marissa's got her research on scorpions. Okay, so it's a scorpion. Okay. But, I accept. Uh, that was a weird. Uh, just watching the blood spread on the thing oh, no. over and over, I couldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was with, like you with spiders was me with that blood smear. Oh. <laughs> the, there was a lot of blood. Oh, it was to you. Oh, I had to watch it so many times. I Oh, yeah, but yeah, but the the thing with scorpions, yeah, um, there's scorpions are really known for 
animalistic defense. That That's their whole symbolism, is always being on the so defense. So is it going to be her, like, protection? The scorpion is going to protect her or something? It's, I think it's just a, literally a representation of who her character is. She's always on the defense, because people are always at... People or spirits she's are always scorpion. after her. She's on the... Got she's, it. She's on the constant I like defense. It. So it's literally like just it. a physical manifestation of what she is. Interesting. And also, just scorpions known for life and death. Hmm. And rebirth. Hmm. Death and rebirth. I like it. Self so knowledge. Thank Professor you. Professor Seraphine. I know, yeah. Now. That's what I'm calling it. Now, yes. let's do news and gossip. Oh. After Buzz TV News. Perfectly timed. I got two things for you guys. Uh, first one's fun. Penny Dreadful has a clothing line at Hot Topic. What? Yes, they do. That's so hilarious. Hi, Larry. Very fitting for. I love it. But wait a second. I love Hot Topic. Um, Just I, that I, out I, I feel like you would. Hot Topic has clothing <laughs> lines from Orphan Black on BBC America and Marvel's Avengers. They're now doing Penny Dreadful. There's a video on YouTube. Marissa, you can probably look it up right now. Um, it is. It's actually really cool. The Penny Dreadful fashion collection. It's. It's. I'm not like a fashion expert. It's for women. I don't know if there's any men's stuff. It looks pretty damn Is there cool. a scorpion necklace? Yes, there's tons of scorpion oh, okay. stuff. There's <laughs> yes. a ton of scorpion stuff. And there's like, you know, 19th century London inspired Oh, that's cool. Stuff. So Very cool. When I first read it, I was like, okay, this is cheesy. But after I saw that video, it's like, oh, this is some dark stuff. It's kind of gothic. I like it. Yeah. It's kind of smart that they're integrating that uh, demographic into the mix. I like it. And the other one, um, we got a couple minutes left. We'll hurry through this. Josh Hartnett on Penny Dreadful. He says, quote, the show may hurt you. A little bit in the second season. He was talking to a newspaper in Canada, the St. Catherine Standard, and a reporter named Bill Harris. Harris asked Hartnett about how long Ethan can run from this shady past. Ethan uh, responded, or Hartnett responded, I would love to see a happy Ethan, but the way John Logan, the creator, has set up these characters, they're all very conflicted people with dark histories and probably dark trajectories. Harris then said, you know, I hope Ethan survives. I like him. (laughs) Kind of there. And Hartnett said, good, I'm glad you think that of him, but we'll see. It may hurt. The show may hurt you a little bit. Oh, no. Is this Josh Hartnett being a... (laughs) Is this Josh Hartnett being just a wonderful interviewee because he's acted a long time? Or is this Josh Hartnett saying Ethan might die in season two? I think it's him saying you never know what could happen. Yeah. I agree. You guys are not fun. Swerve. I don't know. I think that was just a tease. I'm, I'm very fun. Never say that. Again. I always yeah. stalk IMDb to see how many episodes they're in. So I I'm, know. I, uh, I get that. Maybe the maybe. ruining everything. Yeah, I know. But uh, also, just one more quick thing. Go for John it. Logan, there he had an interview with Entertainment Weekly, and you know tonight's episode, the premiere, uh, really introduced witchcraft and witches into the story. And he said this was a story that he always had in mind, especially with Madame Kali, knowing. She was going to be a bigger role in this season. And we know that Vanessa is very supernatural and very aware of that. And that which that path and that trajectory led to the exploration of the occult and the witchcraft, which really reflects the Victorian England era. Hmm. So it was all planned. <laughs> all right, let's be quick about this, but we got to do it. Let's do some predictions. Your After Buzz TV predictions. Allison, you're new. You get to go first. I mean, I kind of like peppered mine in already, but I'm still strong on the whole Lavinia Caliban bandwagon and the Frankenstein Brona bandwagon. So that's what I'm going with. I'm saying we're going to see some action happening between these two. Uh, Hmm. Love. No double date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd, yeah that would be hilarious. Yeah. Mm. I don't think that's happening. That's mine. 
Uh, Jack the Ripper does not like the fact that there is another Ripper in town. That is Ethan. Ooh, and I like he's this. Coming back to claim his territory. I like it. Ooh. Wow. I, I don't even know if that's this season, but <laughs> eventually. I would love to see a storyline with a perfectly human killing evil. No supernatural. Nothing. Nothing. Just a dude killing people. Just a bad guy. Yes. Right. Yeah. Totally. Right. Couple things. <laughs> I'll, I'll make this as quick as I can. Vanessa, we know she's connected to these nightcomers. Was she a nightcomer herself? Ooh. Maybe she knew back she was, in her past. Maybe she, yeah, maybe she was an ex nightcomer. And Lavinia, and her character, just in her character in the story, Tempest was uh, not Tempest. Sorry, uh, Titus. Um, Lavinia was raped and mutilated oh, no. and, and, and mutilated. So I'm thinking, just because of canon. If I know we go off canon, but maybe Lavinia's going to die. Oh, dear. Maybe at the hands of Caliban. Hmm. Something's going to go down. And because I think she's too she's too good of a character for her to really do anything. Something might something bad might happen to her. And Evelyn Poole, we know her last name is Poole. There is a character in the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde's that's called Mr. Poole. So maybe we introduce some characters from that story. Cool. Oh, that'd be Poole. cool. Yeah, interesting. Cool, cool. I, yep. uh, I'm going to make a long play on my prediction this week because you stole my Lavinia prediction. I'm so sorry. But it's, uh, I think that's the obvious one, too. I think we're all thinking that, yeah. so yeah. for sure. Um, I'm going to say the first main character to die oh, dear. is going to be Sir Malcolm. And I think he's going to die at the hands of Madame Cully. <gasps> Not maybe this next week, but coming up because he's trying to get out of it. He doesn't appear to have any supernatural situation. He's now welcomed everybody into the fold of the Mina story. Everybody has their situations going down. We don't need him anymore. <gasps> I don't like Except it. Except to keep Vanessa sane. Well, I would rather see her insane. But you know what, what I thought was when Sir Malcolm came back into London, because we saw Vanessa hiding in her room, literally doing nothing, not fighting this, the minute Malcolm stepped back into the picture, he's like, all right, what do we do? Who do we talk to? He gets the ball rolling. So what if, despite maybe his character doesn't have anything, he he's the d- go-getter. I'm sticking by my prediction. Also, look out for Sembene. I think he's a double agent. <gasps> yeah. Sembene's awesome. We got to know so much more about him. He talked so much more tonight. I was like, Sembene. He said more tonight than he said all season one. And like the whole season one. I was like, he knows more than he's letting on to. Just going to drop that out there. That's it. We're out of time. We're actually over time this week. (laughs) (laughs) But before we go, hey, remember, hit subscribe on YouTube or iTunes if you're listening to the podcast or the video. And you guys should follow all of us on Twitter. So, Allison, where can they do that? Very easy. You can find me at the Allison Dean. You can find me everywhere at Roxy Stryer. You can follow me on Twitter at Serafini TV. And I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMiro. That's it this week on Penny Dreadful. We'll be back next Sunday. More Josh Hartnett, more Eva Green, more everything else. See you guys then. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 